Welcome to On the Ballot with Ballotpedia, where we take a closer look at the week's top political stories. Ballotpedia connects people to politics by providing neutral, nonpartisan, and reliable information on our government, how it works, and where it's headed. We're here to give you the facts so you can form your own opinion. I'm Victoria Rose, and thanks for being with us. Today, we're checking in on the noteworthy recalls that have occurred across the country halfway through the year. Here to share the highlights of our mid-year recall report is staff writer and elections team lead, Abby Smith. Welcome back to the show, Abby. Thanks. What's new? I feel like we haven't had you on in a while. Just keeping up with recalls and trying to survive the heat here in Wisconsin. It's pretty gross right now. You want to talk heat down here in Dallas, it's like 100 degrees every day now. Yeah, but we also have the cold, so I feel like we shouldn't get That's true. 90s and humid. Both extremes, it's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, our recall report is one of the most anticipated bits of research we put out every year, and I'm really excited to dig into some of the biggest findings from this mid-year one. We release two annually, the mid-year report, which we're talking about today, and then the end-of-the-year report, which covers the full year of recalls. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about the report and our methodology? Yeah. So our mid-year report looks at recalls uh, we've tracked so far this year. We look at how many efforts there have been, um, how many officials were named in recall petitions, uh, the different offices they hold, and then like what states they're in as well. As for methodology, we start tracking recalls once there's like a paper trail to follow. So in California, they have to file a or serve, actually serve the members that they're recalling um, with a notice of intention to recall. And that is kind of when we start tracking it there. Um, In Michigan, they have to file a petition um, with a county clerk and then go through a clarity hearing process. But we start tracking once that petition is filed with the county clerk. So we want to follow the paper trail, have something official. Um, We don't really cover uh, threats of recalls or anything like that. So just as like a caveat to that, our tracking does also very much depend on information availability. So if any listeners know of a recall and you don't notice it in our recall coverage, uh, please let us know. Uh, You can email us at editor at ballotpedia.org. That was a great plug. (laughs) Before we get into the weeds, could you explain for our listeners just the concept of a recall? What are they? Why do they exist? What sort of function they serve in our democracy? Yeah. So a recall is a political process that allows voters to remove an official before their normal term would end. So it's almost like putting them on the ballot again. There's a lot of rules and regulations going through um, how to get them on the ballot. So lots of like hoops to jump through before you can just kind of redo an election. But it is just a way for voters in certain states to do that if they feel the need. There are 39 states that allow recalls um, at the local level in some way that can depend on the office type. So some some states will only allow like county level officials. Um, some go down all the way to like school boards and special districts, city councils, that kind of thing. And then out of those 39 states, 19 also allows recalls at the state level. And you kind of alluded to this earlier about how a recall works, but could you get into that a little bit? And then I'm guessing from what you were saying earlier, it kind of varies by state, but what are the general rules involved with the recall? Yeah. So in the simplest sense, the process works kind of like this. Supporters of a recall will go through whatever their state or locality's process is to get an approved recall petition. So I mentioned California, there's this notice of intention that um, they need to do first. In Michigan, they have to go through a clarity hearing. Some states require certain grounds to be met for a recall petition to be uh, circulated. So they might need to go through the court system in that case. But once there is that approved recall petition, they get to go and circulate it. 
then. They collect signatures and there's usually a deadline involved in how long they can circulate that petition. Some states don't have a deadline and they can you know, continue collecting signatures um, basically as long as that person is in office. But most of the times there's some sort of deadline between like three weeks and six months. It can vary a lot. And then there's also going to be a certain number of signatures that need to be met. Every state requires um, there to be some sort of threshold of signatures. That's usually going to be related to the last election the official was in, or maybe the last gubernatorial election in that district, or sometimes it's related to uh, registered voters in the district. So some sort of percentage of that will be the number of signatures that are required. It's very similar to the work I cover with ballot measures as far as gathering signatures. Is that something that is a paid effort or a volunteer effort as far as the gathering of signatures? Yeah, that totally depends on the state as well. I would say the majority that I cover on my specialties and school boards uh, is going to be volunteer, but I do cover a lot in California and they are allowed to pay as well. So it can be totally different. But yeah, once those signatures are all collected, then they submit it to some sort of election office, usually a county clerk, sometimes a secretary of state, and then those signatures need to be verified. So even if you think you collected all of the signatures that you needed to, um, it does go through a verification process. And that office is going to let you know whether or not you actually met that requirement. And if you do, then you get to go to the ballot. And from there, there's also a bunch of different ways that can look. Um, so there's like three different types of recall elections. On the ballot, you might see in the first option, um, a yes or no question. So voters can just you know look at the ballot and they'll just be asked, do you want to recall so-and-so? And your option is yes or no. If a majority of voters say yes, then you go um, and that person will be removed and it'll be basically a vacant office. So however you normally fill a vacancy will happen. So maybe appointment maybe a special election later on. The second option is that yes, no question again, but it also has a second question right below it. And that's going to list all of the candidates who will replace the person if a majority of voters vote yes. So it's kind of almost that that first option, but fast tracked because you have your replacement already on the ballot as well. And then the third option is basically just a redo election. It looks like any other election. It's mostly like a special election. The recalled official appears on the ballot as an incumbent and runs against whoever filed against them. If that recalled official gets the most votes, they stay in office. And if someone else does, that person is elected instead. Got it. That was a very thorough explanation. Are there any states with like really peculiar ways of doing recall? There's always like little um, weird nuances, uh, but one state, I believe it's Idaho. You you can't just have a majority of yes votes. Uh, so you might you might get you know most of the people vote yes, we want to recall this person, but they also have to meet this other other threshold that they have to match or be greater than the number of votes that put that official in office in the first place. So sometimes the majority is not enough. Virginia also is unique. They do not go through the ballot at all. So they have the same recall petition circulation process, but then it goes through the courts and voters don't really have a say. And we have like all of these rules on site, right? For listeners to look up Yes. Yeah. Um, so if you are curious about the specifics in your state, I highly recommend going to Ballotpedia, going to our search box and just type in laws governing recall and then your state name and you'll be good to go. Solid. Well, let's shift our focus to the recall landscape in 2023. What are some of the stats, you know, top line numbers that jump out to you from our mid-year recall report? So in the first half of 2023, we've covered 149 recall efforts against 227 officials. Um, and that's at the state and local levels. Majority local, though. There's only a couple of state levels uh, recalls right now. Out of those, 17 officials were successfully removed through recall elections, and 12 um, ended up resigning after recall efforts in were initiated against them. So what is that? 29 um, officials so far are kind of out of office, basically. 
basically after a recall started against them. Another five officials did go to the ballot, but their recall elections were defeated. Um, you know, in those cases I described earlier, it was majority no votes. So they stayed in office. Um, and then another 70 officials uh, had recalls started against them, but they failed to make the ballot. Most likely they didn't collect enough signatures or maybe um, they were rejected uh, because of recall language um, in that Michigan case. Um, whatever that case may be, they, the recall petition has ended and it's not going to continue and it did not go to the ballot. There's also 21 recall elections that have been scheduled, but uh, have not taken place yet. So we don't know the status yet of those, but they will be happening later this year. And then 104 officials are facing ongoing recall efforts right now. So those efforts are either uh, circulating petitions currently, or maybe they're waiting for their election office to verify signatures, uh, that kind of thing. To me, those numbers seem kind of high for a mid-year report. Is this kind of a historic number of recalls that we're seeing or kind of in trend with previous years? Yeah. So this is actually the fifth most recalls we've tracked when looking at that mid-year point since 2014. So that's about 10 years. We're like right smack dab in the middle. Success rates are kind of interesting too here. So as of June this year, uh, 7.5% of those 227 officials included in recall efforts were successfully removed in an election. And this was slightly lower than uh, the same time period in 2022. Uh, That was 8.3%, but it was higher than 2021, um, and again, midpoints here, uh, that was 3.4% in 2021. But all three of those years, 2021 to 2023, they're all lower compared to earlier years. And it's kind of pre-pandemic years. All of those had a 10% or higher success rate in their midpoints from 2016 to 2020. Interesting. Do you know why that would be? Not really. Um, it, it might just be the scheduling, honestly. Uh, we've I mentioned earlier, there's still 21 recalls that made the ballot. They just haven't happened yet. Um, so it might just be that first part of the year is not when most elections are held. I'll have to look at the data there, at least for these most recent years. Yeah, that makes sense. How about like the concentration of recalls? Is it in a specific office holder group? I know you mentioned earlier, most of them are occurring at the local level. So what level of government or what office? Office of government in the local level. Yeah, so city council members um, drew the most recall petitions uh, this year so far, and that's actually following um, a pretty established pattern between 2016 and 2020. Uh, they also had the most recall petitions against them, and then that pattern was reestablished in 2022. So the school board members actually kind of interrupted that city council pattern from in in 2021, uh, and then also the first half of 2022, uh, city council members ended up kind of <laughs> exceeding school board members that year and um, taking it the full year. But yeah, so school board members had a blip during the pandemic when they had more, but city council members tend to have the most. Total of 105 city council or town board members faced recall campaigns in the first half of 2023, and 51 school board members uh, faced recall campaigns during that same time period, and that's the second most. How about when it comes to like states? Is there a certain state that has the most recalls this year? Yeah, Michigan led the way by a mile. Um, They have 71 officials targeted for recall so far this year. California followed with 28. So kind of a big gap there. Colorado came in third with 24. And Michigan also had the most officials targeted for recall in 2018 and 2022. But from 2016 to 2017, and then 2019 to 2021, California had the most officials. They tend to be, it's either Michigan or California. Those two states just kind of have a, I kind of used them earlier 
two. Um, you can see I, I'm pretty familiar with them. They're usually at the top. They have a lower barrier to entry almost with recalls. Um, just their laws, um, they don't require specific grounds to be met. Uh, re, you know, office holders can be recalled for any reason. Um, it's just a little bit easier to get one started in those states. Well, I'd love to use the rest of our time to highlight some of the more noteworthy recall campaigns that we are following. Could you tell us a little bit about the effort to recall Oregon Democratic State Representative Paul Holvey? Certainly. That recall is being led by the United Food and Commercial Workers Local 555. It started on May 22nd. Proponents of the recall effort criticized Holvey for a few different reasons, um, such as his vote on a 2019 bill that reduced pension benefits. They also said he failed to secure pandemic benefits for grocery workers and listed his lack of support for House Bill 3183. Cannabis employers would have been prohibited from impeding employee unionization efforts if House Bill 3183 had been enacted. That's interesting because they just filed an initiative in Oregon to put that law on the ballot. Another one that I was looking at was an effort to recall Arizona Republican State Senator Justine Wadsack. Um, That was initiated on May 8th. So what's the story there? Uh, Yeah. So proponents of that recall effort criticized Wadsack over her sponsorship of four different bills. The proposed legislation includes provisions to prohibit books on gender issues, establish a felony offense for taking children to drag shows, eliminate uh, the state bar requirement for Arizona lawyers, um, and that would transfer the licensing authority to the Supreme Court in that state. Um, And then there was also a proposed legislation about homeless issues. Let's zoom in on some even more local recall campaigns before I let you go. Three of the five members of the Richland School District School Board in Washington are also facing a recall vote on August 1st. M. Semibird, Audra Bird, not related, and Carrie Williams are on the ballot. What's happening there? And is it normal for multiple members to be on the ballot at the same time? Yeah, it's pretty common to have multiple members um, targeted for recall at the same time, especially when you're looking at school boards and city councils. You kind of usually revolves around maybe a vote. And if there's multiple voters, um, you know, votes by those members, they tend to have petitions that kind of are identical against all the same members when an issue arises like that. But in the case of Richland School District, this one is actually my last COVID-related school board recall that I'm tracking. It started way back in early 2022, um, which is why it's COVID related, I think. But it was on pause as it went through the courts. Uh, Washington is one of those states that require a certain grounds to be met. So there were some appeals processes in there that just kind of delayed everything. They weren't able to circulate the petitions for almost a f- like a full year after they started. But recall supporters said that the Richland board members violated the Open Public Meetings Act, violated district policies, procedures, and code of ethics, and voted to make masks optional while a statewide mask requirement was in place. On their website, recall supporters said this recall is not about masks, nor is it a partisan issue. The recall is about elected officials being held responsible for unlawful actions they took while in office. All three board members denied any wrongdoing. Williams said that she believed no laws were broken when the board voted to make masks optional. She said the board received medical and legal advice before taking the vote and that the state's mask requirement ended a few weeks later. This recall will be kind of an end of an era of recalls, I guess. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see where voters land, um, you know, kind of year after the fact. (laughs) We're also watching a similar story where multiple members of a school board are up for a recall. That is in Orange Unified School District Board of Education in California. What's going on there? 
Yeah, so that campaign started this May. Uh, Tristeria 4 Representative Madison Minor and Tristeria 7 Representative Rick Ledesma are the school board members being targeted. Recall supporters did not agree with the board's 4-3 vote to fire the district superintendent and place the district's assistant superintendent of education on paid leave pending a curriculum and academic audit. Ledesma and Minor voted in favor of the superintendent's firing, along with two other members of the board. The board did not give a reason for those. Recall supporters named the firing as one of their reasons for recall, along with the fact that the vote occurred during winter break while both administrators were on vacation and unable to attend the meeting. They also did not like that an interim superintendent was immediately named and that that interim superintendent was from Idaho and was not from the district. This recall is currently circulating petitions and the deadlines are in November to submit those. We'll we'll keep an eye to see if it makes the ballot. Last but not least, there has been an attempt to recall Cochise County District 1 Supervisor Tom Crosby in Arizona, and that began in January of this year, but it recently failed because recall supporters failed to submit the required number of signatures. How did Crosby become a recall target in Cochise County? So during the 2022 election in Cochise County, Crosby, along with District 3 Supervisor Peggy Judd, declined to certify the county's election results. Uh, After Pima County Superior Court Judge Casey McGinley ordered the county to certify its results, Judd and District 2 Supervisor Ann English voted to do so, uh, but Crosby did not participate in that vote. Supporters of the recall argued that Crosby attempted to obstruct the county's election procedures by refusing to certify thousands of ballots. They also argued that he improperly advocated for the hand count of ballots and needlessly cost taxpayer money. Ballotpedia did not identify a response to the recall effort from Crosby, uh, but either way, this attempt failed. Uh, Supporters did not collect enough signatures by the May 3rd deadline. Well, that's all the questions I have for you. So I want to thank you for coming on and breaking this down for us. And I really look forward to having you back at the end of the year to go over our end of the year recall report. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And that's all for this week's episode of On the Ballot. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week with another episode. And until then, if you have any questions, comments, or love for Ballotpedia, feel free to send it to us at ontheballot at ballotpedia.org or on Twitter at Ballotpedia. I'm Victoria Rose, and thanks for listening. 